Great to be with you. My name is Mark Job, and I'm from uh, Chicago. And uh, I had an hour to pray for you because I drove from Chicago this evening. And uh, I feel like I've already prayed for you for a while. But I also feel like I'm coming home. Um, my roots are from northern Indiana. And uh, I was driving past some of the places that my relatives are from. I was born in Methodist Hospital in downtown Gary. Me and MJ, Michael Jackson. And uh, so we're both MJs. Um, and funny enough, my parents... Uh, they, my mother was 17 years old and my father was 18 years old and they went to a youth for Christ rally in downtown Gary. And there was an evangelist preaching the gospel of Jesus. And they both went forward to give their life to Christ. And they would only discover about four or five years later that they had come to Christ in the same meeting on the same day at the same time, even though they did not know each other. Amazing how God works. And um, my father had such a conversion. His, his father was a foreman at the steel mills. And uh, he served for years at the steel mills. And so my dad had never left this country, had a radical conversion to Jesus. Um, my mother was a cheerleader at Hobart. She was uh, Hobart Bricky. And uh, my father was from uh, Lake Station, Indiana. Neither of them had ever left this country and uh, in their 20s, they decided to follow Jesus Christ. And so I was six months old when I left this, uh, this part of the country. And they went on to serve God in Europe, in Chile, in Costa Rica, planting churches for years. And my father's buried in Spain, uh, passed away and was buried there. But the launching point was northern Indiana. And so I feel like I have roots in this place and it's a real privilege to be with you uh, today. And I want to give a shout out to the uh, Cedar Lake campus as well. Um, we actually have some connections there. I just discovered on my way here, someone texted me and said that the Cedar Lake campus had actually sent a group of workers not too long ago to help put the flooring in. In one of our campuses that ministers in Chicago in a very uh, difficult community. And so I want to thank you, Bethel, and thank you, uh, Bethel Cedar Lake, for participating and helping us out in a project in downtown Chicago. I was thinking about uh, today, and um, I came here because I believe that I have a message for you. And I... Typically, don't take a lot of Sunday morning uh, or Sunday weekend uh, speaking engagements because I pastor a church in Chicago. Um, we're multi-site as well, and I want to just say go Bethel because you guys have gone in that journey of going multi-site. And uh, I know it's a step of faith, and you're on campus number two. We actually have 19 campuses in Chicago as well in different neighborhoods. So we've been at it for a while and seeing God uh, minister in downtown Chicago from some really, really tough neighborhoods uh, like Little Village and Humble Park, if you're familiar with Chicago, to neighborhoods like Lincoln Park and uh, Lakeview in Chicago. How many of you commute to Chicago to work? Yeah, okay. A good number of you do that. And um, 
I was thinking about that, and I want to congratulate you for not getting comfortable. You could fill up a building and say, all right, now that we filled up a building, we're all right. But I believe that God has given us a big mission, a big vision uh, to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So any church that gets comfortable needs to get out of its comfort zone and get on mission with Jesus. I came here because I feel like I've been on a quest lately to get people unstuck. And that's been my passion over the last couple of months. I run into so many people that are stuck. Uh, I hate the feeling of being stuck. How about it? I travel a lot, so sometimes I'm in an airport thinking, I need to be on that airplane, and I'm stuck here. In Chicago, there's traffic all the time, so sometimes I'm stuck on I-55 because there's a gapers block. It's not even an accident. The accident's been cleared up. It's just that everybody wants, everybody's nosy and wants to see what's going on in that accident. You're stuck in traffic, and you can't move forward. Or maybe, hey, we're used to the snow weather where your car gets stuck in an alley or in a parking spot and in one of our uh, heavy snows. And so you rev up the engine and the car's wheels are spinning and spinning and you're trying to get unstuck. And it seems like the more effort you put into getting unstuck, the more stuck you get. It's a terrible feeling and we need help sometimes to get out of that place of being stuck. Sometimes we get stuck in the worst situations possible, and we don't know how to get out of them. I have a friend of mine who uh, was a pastor traveling somewhere to speak, and he got off the airplane and really had to go to the bathroom bad. And so it was one of those, like, let me find a restroom really, really fast. This is kind of an explosive situation. And so he went into the restroom really fast, got into the stall, was there in one of the stalls. And as he was sitting there in the stall, he thought it was unusual that the man that walked in the bathroom sounded like he had heels on. And he thought, wow, what's this world come to now? Men are wearing heels And he waited a little bit longer and it seemed like there were more people with heels in. And he, well, he did what any dignified pastor would do. He kind of looked under the the stall there and realized that he was in the woman's bathroom. So he pulled up his legs real hard. And he waited till the coast was clear. He said it was a terrible feeling. I felt stuck. Okay, this is a bad situation. I want to be out of here. This is not where I want to be. This is the last place I want to be. But he felt like he couldn't get in or get out. And so finally, when the coast was clear, he got up, ran out, didn't even wash his hands. And he ran out of the door. And as he was walking out the door, a woman was walking in the bathroom. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was the woman's bathroom. And he just kind of walked past her. All of us here know about being stuck. Uh, All of us here have experienced times in our life financially, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, that we have been stuck. But I believe that there are some people here today that you are stuck spiritually. You're in that place where you can't move. You're in that place where three years ago you were in the same place that you're at today. 
Uh, three years ago, you were struggling with the same things that you're struggling today. Three years ago, you had the same bouts and the same difficulties, and you have made very little progress in the last 36 months in your spiritual journey and walk and where God has called you to be. You look at your life and you say, I should be there. But you look at your current situation and you find yourself stuck. I'm going to give you some principles today that I believe that if you put them into place, I'm believing that some of you, for the very first time in a long time, are going to step out of place of being stuck into the mission that God has called you to. And I'm praying for you. I don't know most of you here, but I don't believe that God has called me here to minister to you this weekend without a clear, strong message. And as I was driving down the expressway to be with you today, my heart was burdened for the message I'm about to give you. Because I really believe that there's some people that the Spirit of God has orchestrated today that you would hear this message. And as your spirit opens up to the power of the Word of God, and as the Word of God mixes with faith, and faith has this dynamic combustion that is able to go to the deepest parts of our soul and release those things that in our own self-effort we cannot release. And that's what I'm praying for. The passage that I would like for us to turn to today is found in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 tells us the story of a woman that had been stuck for 18 years. And um, I'm going to ask that we stand for the reading of the word. I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 10. I'm not sure we, if we all, I'm not sure if I have the same version of the Bible that everybody else has here, but I'm going to read out of the version that I have so you can kind of follow along. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leaders said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie an ox or a donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated but the people were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. Word of God, you may be seated. I believe that oftentimes we're stuck and have a desire to be unstuck, but we're like this woman 
And I want you to see a few things to get unstuck that you meet, that you may must understand to take steps out of that place of frustration that you currently find yourself in. The first thing that I want you to understand is this, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. You can be around a religious environment, but never have encountered the liberating power of God. The Bible tells us that this woman, it was on the Sabbath, the Sabbath was the days that the Jewish people, it was like our Sunday, and they met in the synagogue, which is the equivalent to our church, and had services, singing, the reading of Scripture, much like we have our, uh, our services on the weekends ourselves. Uh, it was on the Sabbath, and Jesus was teaching at one of the synagogues, and it tells us in verse 11, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. I want you to notice that this woman was not out at the bar. Uh, she was not out at the club scene. Uh, she was not somewhere in the place that we would expect her to be out there, but she was in a religious environment, yet she was stuck in a religious environment. The implication is that this woman had probably gone to the synagogue every weekend. It seems to be that this woman was a regular at the synagogue, that she was there when the doors opened. She was present when Jesus was there, not because Jesus was there, but because it was her custom of being there at the synagogue. It's interesting to me that this woman had been around the things of God, the environment of God, the people of God, but she remained stuck. Uh, how many of you know, can I take my jacket off? All right, we're, we're, we're home now. When I take my jacket off, that means it's, it's hey, we're talking, uh, we're talking face to face, soul to soul here. This woman had been in church for a long time. She knew the words of scripture. Uh, she knew uh, the order of service. She was familiar with the Old Testament passages that were being read. Uh, she knew where people sat. She knew the names of people that attended the synagogue meeting. She knew the culture of religiosity. And every week she went to those meetings. And the Bible tells us that she was bound for 18 years. And we discover later on that although she was physically bent over, that her real problem was a spiritual problem. That she was bound in her spirit, and her spirit had affected her soul, and also affected her body. So people that saw her thought she was just a woman with extreme curvature of the spine, but in fact she was a woman that was stuck in her spirit, although she was around a religious environment every weekend. Now, I've been a pastor for a long time, 27 years in Chicago. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ, thousands of people come to Christ. And I've see, seen people come out of all kinds of backgrounds. On a common weekend, it wouldn't be strange for me to minister to a gangbanger that's got tattoos all up and down their body and just come on out of gangs. And minister in the same weekend to some CEO that's living downtown and driving a BMW. 
I've seen a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of individuals about their life, and I've discovered that there's a lot of religious people that found themselves stuck because they are around religion, but they have never encountered, they have never experienced, they have never come in contact with the liberating power of God that's given to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so although they're around religious environment, they are stuck. Some of you were raised in the church. Some of you have gone to Sunday school since you were six years old. Uh, there are people that learn the culture of Christianity without have ever being exposed to the liberating power of God. Do you know that you can learn a culture without really experiencing the power of that culture? Do you realize that you can learn to be religious and ne never have truly encountered the power of God? That you can come to a service like this at Bethel and you could love the songs that are sung and you could sit in the place that you sit on a regular basis and you could know some of the scriptures and you could know who the ushers are. You can even enlist to become an usher or uh, help in the parking lot somehow and get used to this and this could be your church and you could be here but yet still be stuck in your spiritual life without moving forward. This woman was like that. The Bible talks about, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, I want you to notice that uh, this, this individual, this woman, was not irreligious, and she wanted to be free, but she re remained in this position of being stuck. Secondly, I want you to notice that you may have lived so long in a state of spiritual bondage that it has warped your whole person. Uh, you see, it tells us in verse 11, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Uh, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. It tells us in First Thessalonians, the apostle Paul tells us that in 523, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems to be like Paul explains that you and I are made up of a trichotomy. Each person here has a body. That's the part that we see. You may like the part that you see in the morning or you may say, hey, I don't want to be around a mirror. Is that part, that physical body that we all know that gets sick, that gets tired, the flesh and blood. But then there's also the soul part of you. The soul is that part of you that composes your personality. Many people believe it's made up of your will and your emotions. And um, then there is the spirit part of you. That spirit part of you is that part that relates to God. That is different than an animal we, God is spirit, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit part of you, because of sin, is dead within you. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. But when you come to Christ, that is what comes alive in your life. It's that spirit part of you that comes alive. And some of you have experienced that in your life when you came to Christ, and suddenly your spirit came alive, and you had a hunger for the word of God. And you wanted to change. 
And suddenly you wanted to worship God and you felt for the first time, I've been coming to church for a while, but now I want to worship and now I want to read scripture and now I feel convicted when I'm living certain ways or saying certain things and I never felt that way before, but now I feel it. That's called the Holy, that's called your spirit responding to the Holy Spirit. But do you realize that a bondage or a place of stuckness in our life can start in one area and affect all the other areas because we are interconnected. For example, there are some individuals that experience deep depression. Uh, Maybe a loved one of yours passed away or uh, you recently went through a nasty divorce. And so this has weighed heavy, heavily upon your soul. Your emotions are, are worn down and, and you look at the future a little bit with despair. And so there's a dark cloud that's come over your soul. But you see that dark cloud that comes over your soul oftentimes pulls your body into it as well. Doctors call that psychosomatic illnesses. Psycho has to do with intellect. Soma has to do with the body. I've heard that up to 80% of people that visit doctors are there because of psychosomatic illnesses. In other words, it's a real illness, but it's caused by your thinking, uh, by something that's happening in your soul. And so you're depressed and tired and you get anxious about the future and suddenly your neck starts to hurt. Come on now. And your stomach starts to, uh, you, you, you discover you have ulcers in your stomach and your blood pressure starts going up. And you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a tranquilizing medication, an antidepressant. And you say, doctor, no, no, no. You see, my problem is I have high blood pressure. My problem is not that, that, that I need an antidepressant. But what the doctor understands is that your problem started in your mind and now that mind problem has affected your body. And oftentimes as your soul is depressed, your body gets sick and then oftentimes we start feeling like God is a thousand miles away and he's not hearing our prayer and we're in a deadened street and suddenly we find ourselves stuck body, soul and spirit. And sometimes it starts with the body. You get injured in your body. Some physical problem happens with your body. It depresses you when you have a sciatic nerve and you can't do what you wanted to do. And so then it affects the way you think and you think I'm going to be out of a job and I'm not going to be able to provide. And you start getting anxious about that. And that starts wearing down on your faith and your faith starts to uh, your faith starts to get shaken uh, because of your physical illness. And before you know it, your body, your soul and your spirit has been affected. This woman. She had extreme curvature of the spine. How do we know that? We know that by Dr. Luke. Luke was a medical physician that wrote the gospel. He was a trained doctor. And he's describing the condition of this woman. And he he says of this woman that, that she is extremely curved over. And we find out from this passage that not only was she extremely curved over, but we find out from this passage that the curvature affecting her body was actually rooted in a spiritual issue in her life. 
Uh, she had been bent over, it says, crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Now, here's what I know. I know that not every physical illness is caused by a spirit, of course. But I also know that since we're interconnected in all areas, that the enemy does not want you to live on mission with God. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to live your purpose. I think to myself, why would this woman be crippled by a spirit? Well, think about it for a second. I want you to imagine the condition of this woman. This woman, since she was severely curved over in her spine, she no longer could function like a normal individual. In fact, when she went to greet someone, she would look at their feet and not be able to look at them in the eyes. She felt ostracized by society like something is wrong with her. I'm sure she was the kind of woman that when you're walking with your little kids down the street, the mothers say, don't stare. Don't point at that lady. She lived with shame, ostracized, feeling different, feeling stuck in a place that she didn't want to be in, feeling like somehow God had passed her by, feeling like somehow I don't want to live in this place. And I'm sure that she had attempted to straighten out years. I'm sure that she'd attempted to go to doctor and do exercise, but she found herself in a position of being stuck spiritually that affected her body and affected her emotions, her relationships, her finances, and every single area of her life were affected by her being stuck. Scripture goes on to tell us. By the way, there's 26 recorded miracles where Jesus heals someone of a physical problem. Only seven of those are caused by a spiritual influence. God, I want you going home and your kid has a cold and say, you know, the pastor said, I think it's a spirit of a cold. Just give him flu medicine. Number three, write this down. Your journey to freedom begins with a willingness to take a difficult step in response to the promptings of God. You see, I believe that some of you are here today and as I speak these words and I've spoken this message, I believe that some of your spirits are being stirred because you yourself right now at this moment, you know that you're stuck spiritually. You know that there's a mission, that there's a place and that you haven't grown. Maybe you're here living with your girlfriend. And you know the, the calling of Jesus to, to live for him. And you're stuck because you don't want to let go of the girlfriend. Or you don't want to change circumstances. Or at least that's the way it is in Chicago. Half of the couples that I marry are couples that have come to the church. We're living together. Come to Christ. And I put my arm around a young man. And I say, okay, so dude. You're going to marry. You're going to move out. Maybe you're stuck in a compulsive, addictive behavior. Maybe you're a beautiful young woman, but no one knows that you go in the bathroom and you struggle with an eating disorder and bulimia or anorexia. Maybe you're a young man here and you come to church on a regular basis, but you know what? You're still stuck 
and no one knows it except for your close friends, but you know, you smoke pot every other weekend. Maybe you're here and you're in a place of ministry, but yet you live with the shame of being addicted to internet pornography. And he eats at you. And you don't want to be stuck in that place, but you are stuck in that place and you're living with it. That shame that keeps you stuck in that place. And I love what happens in this passage. Look at, look at it with me in verse 12. It says, and when Jesus saw her. Well, I love that. I love the fact that Jesus saw her. I love the fact that she caught the attention of God. Because what I discover from the Bible is that God is always calling people out of their place of being stuck. Always. That the attention of God comes to someone that's stuck. When God sees someone bound or in chains or stuck, the, the, the spirit of God zeroes in on them. You came to this place today and you're in a position of being stuck spiritually or any area of your life. I can guarantee you that the spirit of God has zeroed in on you even before you zeroed it on him, you may, be, you may have been checking your text and thinking, I hope this guest speaker is short because I, I, I need to like get out of here and move on. And, and, and little did you know that before you even paid attention to God, that the spirit of God saw you, that the spirit of God knows your story. He knows the secrets behind your being stuck. He knows the frustrations. He saw her before it seems like she saw him. And when Jesus saw her, it says... He called her forward. Now, that seems like a very simple uh, step that Jesus saw her and called her forward. But I believe that Jesus always the spirit of God is always calling people out of their position of being stuck. I think of Adam and Eve in the garden. And Adam is hiding from God because of shame. And what does God say? Adam, Adam, where are you? He calls him out. I think of Abraham, God's calling him into his destiny and God calls him out to a different territory. I think of Noah and God calls Noah and his family out. I think of Lot who's in Sodom and Gomorrah and God calls him out of the place that he's at. I think of Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree and God calls him out of that place of being stuck. I think of Lazarus who's in the grave and God doesn't want him to be dead. He has resurrection power and he calls him out of the grave. Come on, Lazarus, come out. I believe that the spirit of God is always calling people out of bondage, always calling people out of the place of being stuck. It's the spirit of God that calls us out of the bondage to sin. When we are broken Unable to save ourselves. People say, I found God. You didn't find God. God found you, knew you way before you even recognized that God was there. Way before you recognized. It was God that found you. God that reached out to you. In fact, it was God that called you out. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know Christ. And you're stuck in a place where you've been a seeker for years. And when people ask you, so what are you? You say, well, I'm exploring. Come on, you've been exploring for five years. You're exploring and exploring. How much more exploration do you have to do? Are you serious exploring? Or are you just stuck at a place where you're not willing to make a commitment? 
By the way, if you get offended, come back next week because the pastor's probably a lot nicer than I am. And, and, and so uh, give this church another chance. Um, but since I'm a guest speaker, I can kind of call you out here. Um, but God calls us to himself. And I love what Jesus does with this woman. He calls this woman out. Now think about it. If you've ever had a, well, one of the worst things that people fear and they've done studies of this more than spiders and heights and even death itself is public speaking. If I were to go with the mic and just shove it in someone's face right now and say, give me a five minute testimony. Some of you would probably almost have a heart attack because you'd start to palpitate and sweat. And because the worst thing that I could do is bring you in front of peers. You know why? Because we think that people are looking at us and judging us. And we think that people will see our flaws. We are fearful of standing in front of our peers, especially, especially if we're very aware of some weakness that we have. If you have a little zit on the side of your face, you go out, some of you powder it up and you think that the first person that you see at work, they're just staring right down at your chin. And you're following their eyes and and you know they're looking at you. They may not even know it, but in your mind, it's turned into a volcano. And and, and you're like looking at it and thinking about you don't want to go to work. You want to call in and not there. Why? Because you believe that people are focusing in on your weaknesses. Imagine this woman with severe curvature of the spine who for years has been looked down upon, who walks in shame, who has never for years looked at anybody in the face, has never stood like a normal individual. She's been bound. And Jesus says, come forward. He says he calls her forth. He he calls her to a place that's uncomfortable. A position that will expose her weakness. A place that will make her feel like people are looking at me and probably judging me. Suddenly I'm the center of attention and I have all these issues in my life. I am stuck. There is dysfunction and problem in my life. And he calls her forward and all the eyes are focused on this bent over woman. The child says again, mom, look at her. People gasp again. She comes forward. She's in front of Jesus, taking a step that's very difficult for her to take. Listen, I believe that anybody that gets unstuck, anybody that steps out of their place of being stuck, has to go to the hard places. It usually means that you have to respond to the promptings of God. To the promptings of God, he, you, you cannot start your your step towards freedom unless you're willing to take difficult steps in response to the promptings of God. There are some of you that are stuck today and that God has been prompting you for a long time, prompting you to get it right, prompting you to confess it, prompting you to forgive that person that hurts you, that keeps you in bitterness, prompting you to repent of something that you're hanging on to that you know you need to get rid of, prompting you to take the step of giving your life to Christ and getting baptized, prompting you to get things right with your marriage that, that, that is estranged right now and when you, you guys are living in separate worlds, prompting you as men of God to step up to the plate and to lead your children and to lead your family spiritually, prompting you as a single 
to live in purity before God and to, to distance yourself from those friends that keep dragging you in, prompting you to leave some things behind, to take some stu- tough steps. And oftentimes we stay stuck because it requires courage to respond to the call of God. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. He's speaking to believers. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He's asking believers, hey, can you hear me? He's asking believers that are not walking right with him. Hey, will you hear my voice and will you respond to this prompting? Number four. The power of God will lead you to places Where your own self-effort could never take you. This woman finally comes forward and she's right in front of Jesus. I love the heart of Jesus, by the way. Uh, If you see Jesus as this, this severe master with no compassion. If you see Jesus as just this person that hangs out with people that have their life all together and their act all together. You have a totally distorted view of Jesus. Jesus is not afraid of your messes. Jesus is the one that's able to cleanse and change, transform. And the Bible says that Jesus, this woman was in front of her and Jesus said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Now, it requires power and authority to say that. Power over the body, the soul, and the spirit. And Jesus says to this woman, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then it says he puts his hand on her and immediately, not progressively, not therapeutically, not in stages, not through a physical therapist, but immediately because her issue was spiritual, immediately it says she straightened up now. You just have to imagine for a second what happened through this woman, what went through this woman's mind and what happened throughout the congregation as this woman who has been stuck for 18 years suddenly for the very first time in her life is no longer looking at people's feet. Suddenly for the very first time in her life, the eyes that she encounters for the first time are the eyes of the Savior. The eyes of that one with compassion piercing into her soul, looking at her life, speaking destiny and life into who she is. And he says he he speaks into her life and he puts his hands on her. Jesus is not afraid to touch people with messes. She had a spirit binding her. People would walk away from her, be afraid of her. This is, there, there, there is something about this woman. She was bound by an evil spirit, but it doesn't frighten the Savior who puts his hands on this woman. And she immediately finds the power of God to release her from her place of bondage. I want you to know today, I am so Burdened by the amount of believers that I find that are not living on mission with Jesus because they're stuck. People that are looking on the ground instead of looking at the eyes of Jesus because they're full of shame 
I'm so burdened by the believers that I walk into, the people that I pray for, the people that I minister to, the men that I talk to that have incredible potential to do things for the kingdom of God and they're bound up and stuck. And have been there for a long time. And what I know is that the Savior that I serve, the Jesus that I proclaim, the Lord found in Scripture, He's one that has power. He's one that has the ability to seep through anything in our life that's keeping us stuck. He has the power to take away shame. He has the power to break the power of sin and bondage in our life. He has the power over that, those things that in our own self-effort we could never overcome because some of us have been trying for years to overcome certain things in our own self-power and we fail over and over so oftentimes that we just decide this is life. Listen, there are certain things in your life that you will never overcome in the power of your own self-effort. You can only overcome by the supernatural power of God released into your life because Jesus can do that which you can never in your own power do by yourself. I believe it. I would never be ministering in, in some of the hardcore neighborhoods of Chicago if I didn't believe that he has the power to change lives around drastically. Let me close with this. You you can expect opposition to change because many people are more comfortable with an old problem than with a new solution. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. That is a spirit of religiosity. Do you realize that some people don't want you out of bondage? They don't want you unstuck. Listen to me, young girl in an abusive relationship that stays on with a boyfriend that is verbally, physically abusive. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know that you're a woman of dignity and value before the father. He doesn't want you that way. He doesn't know how to relate to a you that's not bent over in shame and bound. And when you start discovering who you are in God, when you start, when you're touched by the power of God, when shame is released and guilt is is set free, when your spirit is set free and your soul is released to live the life that God has called you to be, to live, and you understand that you are free through the power of Jesus Christ and your relationship with him, then that boyfriend that's used to a sniveling, victimized girlfriend that he can boss around when she starts knowing I'm a woman of God that walks in dignity and value. No one treats me that way. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. He'll want the old you. He doesn't want the new you. There are some people that can relate to the old you. But they don't understand the new you. Not everybody's going to celebrate the fact that you get unstuck. The Pharisees preferred this woman bent over, stuck, than a woman that's walking in freedom. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. I believe that there's a journey 
So it's completely walking on mission with Jesus and being unstuck. But I, I believe that it starts with a tough. I believe that it starts with a moment. And I believe that it starts with a decision. And I'm addressing you and I'm addressing the Cedar Lake campus as well. I'm going to close with prayer. But I happen to believe that God brought me here from Chicago and brought me to you today for this moment at this time where you didn't even know who I was or that the message would be this today because God loves some of you so much that have been stuck in a place for so long that God is saying it's time. It's time. He called the woman forward. And he said, come on, take that step and get unstuck. She knew what she needed to do. I happen to believe that there's a lot of people here that you already know what you need to do. That God has been speaking to you for a long time. Delayed obedience is disobedience, by the way. To not obey God at the moment that God calls us is disobedience. And so I'm going to ask this. I'm not going to ask that you close your eyes. I'm not going to ask that you bow your heads at all. No, because I feel like if people are, are taking steps and decisions, that if they, can't do it in the, if they can't do it in the four walls of a church, it'll never last outside of the church walls. So I'm not going to ask, close your eyes, bow your head, and wiggle your pinky finger. I'm not going to ask you to do that. God called the woman forward. But if you're here today and you say, Mark... I know that I'm stuck in an area of my life spiritually and I know that I need to take steps and I want you to pray for me right now because I know that I'm stuck. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. You're in church. I know there's, you think people may judge me, but all right. All right, and Cedar Lake as well. Raise your hand. Okay, now I'm going to close this service with a prayer. And I didn't even clear this with the organizers, so, you know, I, blame it on me if I mess things up. And... But I would like, as we, as we sing this song, I believe some of you know what step of obedience you need to take. And some of you, are giving, some of you need to give your life to Christ and you never had. You've been hanging around Jesus people and the things of Jesus for a long time, but you've never bowed your knee. You've never repented. You've never said, Lord, it is my time to give my life to you. You've never done that. There's some of you here. There's some of you are believers that are stuck. And so I'm going to ask if the band can make their way forward. And we're going to close this service this way. I'm not sure if you normally do it this way or not. So I'm a guess I can like do things like this and I can kind of mess up the schedule and then hand it back to Steve when he comes back next week. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask as the band, as, as the band sings, if you're one of those people that raised your hands and said, I know that I'm stuck. I'm going to, I'm going to do what Jesus did to this woman. I'm going to call you out, but here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm going to call you to come and pray at the front while we sing this song. I'm calling you out for a reason, though. I'm calling you out because I want you to know there's a decision that needs to be made. And I, I, I want us just to pray for everybody that says, I know I'm stuck and there's a step that I need to take. But listen, don't come forward unless you're willing. If you know God has called you to something and you're not willing to take that step, then stay right where you're at. You can't do it in your own power. But you come to God today saying, God, I am 
unable to get unstuck without your power, but I know I need to take a step of obedience. And by the power of God, I choose not to live stuck anymore, God, because this will not be my destiny for the next couple of years. God, I come to you and I surrender to you and I say, Spirit of God, I choose to obey you, Lord. Because I want to be on mission with you, God. And then I'm going to ask, not here, but somewhere, that you talk to someone else throughout the week and you tell them where you're stuck and what you want to do about it. What step of obedience that God is asking you to take. Are we okay on that? Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask. I know, and again, I'm, I'm going to ask that as they sing this song, that you would just make your way out of the, where you're at And I'm going to ask that symbolically you would just get on your knees. It's a sign of surrender. Either get on your knees or just raise your hand to God. It's a sign of surrender. If you feel like I need prayer and I know that God is calling me to take a step. And so today I do so. So wherever you're at in the auditorium, as we begin to sing, just make your way forward and say, here I am. Those of you that said, "I, I know I'm stuck and I need to take a step. I just want you to do that right now. Yes, Father. And so, Jesus, today, we believe that you are present in this place. God, I know that you have power. Power beyond all power. And God, I know that in your name there is power. And I know that in the message of the gospel, there is transformative power that releases the power of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of the power of God through what you have done, Lord. And so today, God, I come before you with those that have taken a bold step to say, God, I choose not to be stuck. I call upon you and say, God, in my own self-effort, I cannot change. But Lord, I invite you into my situation, God. I surrender to you and I choose to take that bold step that you've been calling me, asking me to take for some time, Lord. And so I pray in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even now as you say to God, here I am. I pray for boldness. I pray for grace. I pray for the boldness to repent. The ability to confess. The charge to not stay the same. To ask forgiveness. To get married if you have to. To join a celebrate recovery group if you need to. To talk to the person that organizes baptisms and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to get baptized. To talk to someone about the internet pornography. To get help right away to repent and release that person that that has offended you. Whatever it is, I'm calling you to a bold step. And now, God, may the grace of God, oh, that unmerited, undeserved grace that has all power, that comes freely, not from our self-effort, but from the work of Jesus on the cross. I pray grace, grace, powerful grace, come upon every one that's calling upon your name now, Lord. I pray that you would give boldness and ability and power 
Come, Jesus, in a special way. May this be a moment of change, a moment of decision, a moment of saying, yes, I chose at that moment that I would not stay the same. I pray that and we seal this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name.